Um, tonight's message is a special message geared toward our church family in regards to a conference that we're having in two weeks from this Sunday called the Faith Promise Missions Conference. And we've been doing that at our church for over 50 years now. And I'm going to explain to our church tonight why we do it this way, how we accomplish it, the benefit of it. And so I want you to know my heart, if you're a guest, that by no means would I ever want to come across as though I expect you to give to our church um, or that this message is, is for you. This message really, now we'll take your money, but this message is for our church members. And, and that's who should carry the load of supporting our missionaries that we choose to support here at Fellowship Baptist Church. And then I want to say this to our church family, that when I preach this message tonight, um, I think that there can be some improvement in our missions giving. I really believe that. I'm going to show you why that's the case. But I I need you to know that I am extremely grateful for those who do give to missions. I do not want to throw a blanket over the majority of our church family that is incredibly faithful and bought into faith promise missions giving and think that 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 based on my tone or content or or something I'm not even thinking about that I would be understood as as just incredibly disappointed and sad and you know some kind of emergent situation here it's not God has taken such good care of us we had a good even in 2020 we had a great year of missions giving I've just seen how that many have joined our church the last couple of years. We missed a missions conference due to COVID. And so just a lot of folks didn't have a chance to get on board. A lot of folks didn't have a chance to make a commitment. So I just feel like for the sake of those new members in our church, some of the younger families that I think uh, need to give to missions and learn to do that sacrificially, um, that's that's who I'm really preaching to tonight. And, And for those that have given to missions faithfully for years, I'm proud of you. I'm thankful for you, and, 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 and we have, have kind of rode our mission success on your coattails, and I, I'm so thankful for that. I just don't want our missions giving in the future to be dependent upon 10% of our congregation. We all need to make equal sacrifice, and I think we can. Now, I, I ran into a gold mine uh, via Brother Monty, our longest tenured deacon. I'm not saying he's the oldest necessarily, but he might be. He's just the longest tenured. That's how I choose to put it. And the wisest, right? He gave me this book. I'm going to leave it down here for you all to look at. Um, It's the 19th annual Faith Promise Missions Conference at Fellowship Baptist Church. April 24th through the 28th. We still do it on the same week. Some things never change in Baptist churches. 1985. I was in the nursery every night of that missions conference. I guarantee you. The theme was the world's greatest. You know, we, we make those missions booklets. We design those are real nice, you know, full color and real glossy paper and all that. And this was cutting edge in 1985. This is, this is full color, man. I, I think it's appropriate for me just to read a couple things from this. And then those that appreciate the history of our church, because maybe you, you've, you were in the church in 1985 or connected to it, or you just want to know, come read some of this. It's, it's pretty amazing. Of course, Brother Landis, Larry Landis, was the pastor of our church. It's who I called Grandpa in a lot of regards. It was my dad's father in the ministry, trained him, brought him up, and then handed the mantle to him. Brother, Brother Landis 
He had a huge heart for missions. Huge heart for missions giving. And, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read you the letter that he wrote the church in 1985 that everybody in attendance got. I want to read this to you. Dear friends, the date is July 1975. The place is Fellowship Baptist Church in Liberal, Kansas. The event is the first ever Faith Promise Missions Conference held since my becoming pastor of the church. So by the time he wrote this book, put this book together, he'd been the pastor for 10 years. Our guest was Brother Bill Brewer. I remember that guy. I think he's the one that said, you got to get under the spout where the glory comes out. <laughs> he was great. He had that line in one more and that's about it. But. Our goal in 1975 was $12,000. $1,000 per month that we give just for missions. The commitment ended up being just over $14,000. And that was the start of this most wonderful time of the year missions conference. This is now 1985, and this is the 11th annual Faith Promise Missions Conference. Times have changed. Our church has grown from that average of just over uh, 120 members to a current average of over 335. We've added four staff members, begun a Christian school, built a family center, and are now meeting in an auditorium that can't be equal. But those are not the only things that have changed. Perhaps more than all the rest, our missions ministry has changed. This year, our goal for worldwide missions is 10 times the amount of that missions conference held in 1975. It's $140,000. Some may question, how could we ever accomplish such a feat? And I would answer that with God, all things are possible. The wonderful thing he writes about the work of the Lord is that when all do their best, all of God's children stand on equal ground. The widow who gave her two mites stands as tall in the eyes of God as the wealthy Lydia who opened her home for the Apostle Paul to start a church in. And if we from the youngest to the oldest, from the poorest to the most prosperous, all do our part, we shall accomplish this monumental task. Signed, Preacher. If, if you knew Brother Landis, your heart is growing inside of you right now. And I, I, I read that as much for my sake as yours, but I just want my generation to understand, especially. I want our new members to understand that what we enjoy at Fellowship Baptist Church today didn't happen on accident. It was pioneered by faithful men of God. And if it's to continue, we must be faithful. As faithful as they were. I'm drinking from wells I didn't dig for sure. I'm standing on foundations I didn't lay. Brother Landis laid a strong foundation. My dad built on that foundation. And now we're just trying to do the best we can with what we've been given. We don't want to stop now. In 1967, they took their first faith promise missions commitment of Fellowship Baptist Church. It was $589.30 for the year. In 1968, they climbed to $4,580.46. Then it went to $7,000 and $14,000 and $19,000. Went down for a couple of years. And then it climbed up after 1975. And in 1985, they gave $140,000 to missions. Brother Mike Dominguez was reading this earlier during our deacons meeting. And I've got to read what he read to us. This is... 
This is so Brother Landis, but it is so powerful. He, he, he has a section in the book. He says, how much shall I give to missions this year? That's, that's the topic of this little paper. Number one, if I refuse to give anything to missions in 1985, I practically cast a ballot in favor of the recall of every missionary. Did you get that? If I refuse to give anything to missions, I practically cast a ballot in favor of the recall of every missionary. Number two, if I give less than, this is such a Brother Landis word, straight from the KJV, heretofore, <laughs> if I give less than heretofore, I favor a reduction of the missionary support proportionate to my reduced contribution. Wow. Number three, if I give the same as formally, I favor holding the ground already gained, but I oppose any forward movement. Number four, if I increase my offering beyond former years, then I favor an advanced movement in the conquest of new territory for the Lord Jesus Christ. And isn't that right? Whenever you write down on a card, which I'll never know what you write down, because we don't attach names to it. It's a promise. It's not a vow. It's, it's not something that, that, that I know your name and then our deacons go hunt you down. It's in between you and God. All I do is take the amount so we can budget that year off of it. But when you write your amount, you understand you're casting a vote. Like that's the biggest business meeting of the entire year for Fellowship Baptist Church. But you are casting a vote for missions and you land somewhere where Brother Landis wrote. You're either, you're, either vote, you're either voting, if you don't give, to take ministries off the field because they can't be supported. You're, you're voting for them to be less supported if you, if you decrease. If you stay the same, you, you're voting for just status quo. If you give more by faith, then you're saying, let's go forward. And so think through that. That's really good, man. There's, there's some classic stuff in there. It's right back down there. You come look at it. If you have time, I, I, I know that took some time, but man, that was special to me to look at that and understand that we can't stop now. And I, I get this. I get this. That there are a lot of members that, that just heard what I read and the name Larry Landis doesn't mean much to you because you never knew him. And, and, and the history of our church and their generosity and giving to missions and how he pioneered that from the ground up. And my dad took that to another level with God's help. Some of you are, are newer, so I don't expect you to have the same sentiment that, that some of the rest of us do. But here's what I do expect, that we take, that we take the, the mantle and we go forward. Amen. We take, take the baton and we keep running and we stay faithful. And I want to introduce to some of you this concept of faith promise missions tonight. Be turning to Philippians chapter number four. Philippians chapter number four. By way of introduction to the message, I, I, I want to answer... A couple of questions. I want to answer what is faith promise missions giving? How did it originate this technique? And then I want to, I want to answer why do we use this method at Fellowship Baptist Church? And then I want to show you kind of an example of how this works as far as being a supporting church for missionaries. All right. So before we get into the text, I want to answer what is the faith promise missions giving? Faith promise had its origin um, back in the mid-1900s uh, with, with a pastor in Toronto, Canada named Oswald Smith. He was a pastor of a large Presbyterian church. 
It's made, it made its way, this technique of missions giving, into the independent Baptist churches not too long after that. A pastor in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Tulsa Baptist Temple, his name was Clifford Clark. He had a businessman in his church who knew of Aldswell Smith. And the businessman asked his pastor, Brother Clark, if he would pay for it, could they bring Oswald Smith out to Tulsa Baptist Temple to hold a Faith Promise Missions Conference and invite a bunch of area pastors and introduce this method of giving? Pastor Clark agreed to let him come. What the independent Baptist churches had done up to this point in terms of their missions giving is what a lot of us, a lot of our, if not all of our Southern Baptist friends still do to this day. They take a percentage of the general offerings and then give it to missions. So everybody that gives their 10%, their 10th, their tithe, they will then take 10% of that overall tithe given annually and they will dedicate that to missions. They'll send it to, to the Southern Baptist Conviction, uh, Convention's missions headquarters or whatever and then they will disperse it out to the Southern Baptist missionaries. And it's not just Southern Baptists that do that. There are a lot of denominations that choose to disperse their missions money in that way. In a minute, I'm going to show you how faith promise is more effective than that method. Oswald Smith came to Tulsa, Oklahoma to present this idea. And several pastors were at that meeting, including a man who pastored in Colorado at the time that I got to meet two years ago, uh, whose name was Carl Boonstra. Carl Boonstra loved the concept of Faith Promise Mission and he and Clifford Clark together pioneered this idea through various independent Baptist churches around the country. And those independent Baptist churches bought into them. And since then, in the independent Baptist world, it has become the primary method through which we network and, and support and send missionaries. It has actually enabled the last century to be the most effective century in terms of sending and supporting missionaries. It got its start by Oswald Smith and then two pastors that believed in it pioneered this technique forward. Why do we use such a method? Why do we not take 10 or 15% out of our general offerings and disperse that and then work our budget around kind of an 85, 90% budget for the general operating expenses? Why do we ask for an offering to missions above the tithe. Well, I, I got to say this just in common sense. It works. Normally, when you're trying to fund something or you're trying to do anything of, of productivity or to have success in any area of life, don't you want to find the way that works the best? Do you do you want right? So you want to find the most uh, effective way pragmatically that you can get the job done. Listen, let me prove to you how this works. The total offerings minus all the funds that were designated for other purposes in our church, such as missions, building funds, school, etc., for 2020 were just over $921,000. If we gave 10% of that number to missions in 2020, like a lot of other denominations do, we would have given approximately $92,000. That's a, that's a respectable amount. But because we take missions commitments from our people as an offering above the tithe in 2020, we were able to give to worldwide missions just over $254,000. And all of that money went towards evangelism and missions local, nationwide, and national. All of that goes towards making disciples. All of it goes towards helping people find and follow Jesus. Now, if you're just using business sense... Just business sense. Does that make sense? Hello? It's a no-brainer. 
We do it because it simply works. And the command to the church is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. If that is the great commission and we all can't go, then we better figure out the best way to get people over there. We got to figure out the most effective means by which we can get missionaries to the field quickest and keep them on the field, keep them sustained, cause them to be effective in planting churches all around the world. And so it just makes sense that we are going to pick a method that allows us to get the Great Commission done at a good pace, at a good rate and most effectively. I want to show you now from from the scripture how financially supporting missionaries is a very biblical concept. Now, they didn't have what they called faith promise. That is a practical strategy that men have pioneered in terms of applying the the Great Commission to the church. And I love it. It's great. But the overall idea of you giving your money in, in an offering to missions is actually exemplified for us in Scripture. I'm going to choose to study this church of Philippi, but we can't just jump into how they gave. I need you to understand the doctrine of the local church and how churches get started and then how churches become sending churches and then those churches that are established become sending churches and supporting churches. It's very important, if you've never heard this, to really tune in and pay close attention because unless you buy into how churches start churches and how churches send missionaries out, and how we network together to get the gospel out in the world, unless you buy into what, what we are shown in the book of Acts and how Philippi was started and, and all these things, I'm not sure that you'll fully buy into Faith Promise Missions, Kidney. So listen closely to this. Uh, you don't have to go there yet. Um, don't go there in your, in your Bible, but, but look at the screen at Acts chapter 11. Okay? Verses 19 through 22. I can't read that very well because that's not good colors for me. Um, Look at, uh, hold on. All right, now, they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phinehas and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them were of Cyprus and Cyrene, which, when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came into the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch. So, so, so here's what's happening. Great things are happening in this church at Antioch. Many were believing. So the church of Jerusalem sent Barnabas to go and check it out. On his way to Antioch, Barnabas stopped by Tarsus and found Paul. And he took him with them to Antioch. Look at verse 25 and 26. Then a part of Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. So after that, Paul and, and Barnabas had been in this church at Antioch for about a year teaching and helping these new believers, the church decided to send Paul and Barnabas on their own missionary journey to start churches. We call it the first missionary journey, Acts 13. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Manaen, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul as they ministered to the Lord and fasted. 
The Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on this, this is where we get the idea of, of, of sending out our missionaries and we lay hands on them and we ordain them. This is where we get that idea. They sent them away. Paul and Barnabas left Antioch. Follow this. They went to Cyprus. They went up into Asia Minor. And then Paul and Barnabas unfortunately had a ministry disagreement and they went their separate ways. At that time, Paul enlisted a man by the name of Silas as his ministry partner and he began his second missionary journey. We're getting to the start of the church of Philippi. Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 10. Study with me. Now, when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go in Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they, passing by Mysia, came down to Troas, that's a lot of places, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over unto Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. What's happening? Paul was clearly called by the Spirit to go from where he was in Asia to Greece. It so happened that Philippi was their second stop in Greece. Paul was there about three months and he started a church. He started a church in a lady's house whose name was Lydia. Verses 9 through the end of the chapter tell of Paul's time in Philippi and the early converts of that church. So, are you following this? Antioch sent Paul out. Sending church was where? Antioch. Paul started a church in Philippi. That's where we get this book of Philippians. Now he's writing back to them. while He's in house arrest now for preaching the gospel. And he's about to write back to Philippi because here's what's happening. Antioch was his sending church, but Philippi came alongside of him and became his supporting church. Do you get the difference there? Sending church lays hands on them. They have the authority to send them out. But, but then missionaries don't just need a sending church. Missionaries to be sustained on the field need more than a church to lay hands on them. They need churches who, who have the resources to be generous and sacrificial and support them. Does that make sense? Okay. Look at verse 15 of chapter 4 of Philippians. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel... When I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. So the church of Philippi adopted Paul as their missionary. So if it was like churches today, many churches that I go to preach at, they still hang up the missionary letters in the foyer that missionaries send in. And, and, and the church of Philippi would have had Paul's missionary letter. Hanging up. He would, they would have gotten them update videos because they were a supporting church. His sending church was still a church at Antioch, but the church of Philippi became his most generous supporting church. Now, now watch me. Like the church of Antioch was for Paul, Fellowship Baptist Church is the sending church for three missionaries and soon to be four. If you don't know who they are, let me introduce them to you. The Gabbard family. Brother Gabbard and Miss Belinda served on staff here under Brother Landis for many years. And the Lord moved on Brother Gabbard's heart to go to the country of New Zealand to start a church. He's still there. 
pastoring a church faithfully in Christ Church, New Zealand. Daddy, you know how long he's been on the field? I should have, I should have checked in on this. Close to 30 years he's been a missionary in Christ Church, New Zealand. We are his sending church. We laid hands on Brother Gabbard and Belinda. We ordained them and we sent them out. Um, after my dad became the pastor, he got a burden to start churches in the United States of America in needy places. And, and so we brought in a young man by the name of Alfred King and the King family. And, and they have since started a church in Oro Valley, Arizona. And we are their sending church. It's its its, its own church now, but we help get that started. It's like our baby church. That's where Mike Collins came from, believe it or not. Then there's John Vaught. And this is the Vaught family. And they started a church in a very affluent area, but needy area in Scottsdale, Arizona. How many have ever been there? I encourage you to, to try to go to one of these church plants because it'll give you a great appreciation for what God's done there. And a church has been established. We sent the Vaught family out. Now, Lord willing, we will send the Collins family out. And I'm looking forward to that. One part of me isn't. Well, one part of me is. I can't wait to put my hand on his bald head. I can't wait. I'm looking forward to that. Believe it or not, they're going to Garden City, Kansas. Now, we are their sending church. But for those men to have gone to Christ Church in Oro Valley, Arizona, Scottsdale, Arizona, and even Garden City, Kansas, and for them to be sustained on the field, they need more than just Fellowship Baptist Church support. Now, if we had to, we are fully equipped and ready to be the only church that supports them financially. But it sure helps the situation if we can network with other independent Baptist churches who give to Faith Promise Missions, and then those guys, like, we'll have missionaries come here in three weeks. Three missionaries. I'll introduce them to you at the end of the message. Don't let me forget that. Chris and I have a slide. I want to introduce them to you. Um, they'll be coming here. They're on what we call deputation. And that's what all of our missionaries are, where they went to like-minded churches just like ours, and they showed a video of where they're going and, and how they surveyed the place and their plans and their strategies and then what they need financially to be able to go and get things started. You say, what, what kind of money would they need? They need money to rent a building. And, and they need money for, for printed materials. They need money to put food on the table for their family. Hey, trust me, I know all three of our missionaries well. My wife's the, missionary, the mission secretary. I know the kind of money they get in, and let me just assure you, they are not getting rich. You don't have to worry about that. No one's abusing, no one's getting rich on the field. They ask for just enough where they can put food on the table and operate within the realm of effective ministry for a long time. And so they need supporting churches. Well, that's where the church of Philippi comes in. We are, we are the sending church for three and soon to be four missionaries, but we are the supporting church for over 60 missionaries. So we help other sending churches get their missionaries on the field, just like other churches have helped us get our missionaries on the field. And what we're doing is clearly New Testament missions. Churches working with churches for the sake of the gospel. Philippi came alongside of Antioch and said, we'll work with you to keep Paul on the mission field. Now, now it's very important, church, for you to get this. Sending churches are relying on us. 
Did you hear me? Sending churches are relying on us. Just like we have relied on supporting churches for our three missionaries, and they have been so generous. When we send Mike and Shelby out, when we send our last three out, we need churches to be faithful in giving. And when they send missionaries to us to solicit our support, if God lays it on our heart to support them, they are counting on us. They're counting on us. What does that mean? We have to be faithful. Had it not been for committed, supporting churches, we could have not have successfully sent out three missionaries and planted three churches. And we won't be able to do it in the future. We rely on, on other churches and they rely on us. So if Philippi is an example supporting church. And that's what missions is all about. That's what a missions conference is. I'm trying to get you to get the picture of what a good supporting church looks like because we want to be a good supporting church. You know how Philippi became a good supporting church outside of just their sacrificial giving? They had resources in their church. Like Lydia, she was a rich woman. She had a huge house so they could meet inside of her house. She had a lot of resources and they just didn't hoard those resources for themselves. They said, we have money that we can disperse to missionaries. And guess what? Our church has resources. We're not a rich church, but we're a generous church. And a good portion of our membership in the 70% this last quarter have bought in to tithing and putting God first with their finances. And because of that, we have the resources that we can share. We cannot hoard these things. $254,000 that we have to give, we got to give it. We got to give it. And so let's look at what the church of Philippi, how they modeled this. Look at verse 14. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Communicate. That, that, that simply means passing something from one hand to the next. It's the idea of giving. It's not the idea of talking. Okay, so, so, so he's, he, he's passing a, a, a gift from one hand to the other. And the Philippian church did this. They passed their gift to the hands of Paul. They communicated with his affliction, meaning this. They gave to meet his need. They passed things into his hand in moments where he was empty and afflicted and had to have somebody's help. Verse 15. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only, they did this, they gave, he received, no one else was doing it. Verse, verse 16, for even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity. They didn't do it once. It wasn't a one-time love offering. They did it month after month after month, just like we do. Look at the first part of verse 18. But I have all and abound. I am full. How is he full? Because he received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you. So there's a man in the, in the church of Philippi named Epaphroditus. They put what Paul needed into his hands and he made the journey to where Paul was to give that to them. Follow this church. Paul was in prison during this time. But it could have been much worse because he had two choices based on his crime that he was being charged with. He could be put in house arrest or he could be put in a dark dungeon of a prison cell. Because of the gifts they sent with Epaphroditus, because of their generous missions giving, Paul was allowed to be in house arrest and not in prison, which meant this. He had the light necessary coming in 
and the health necessary coming in to where he could continue to write to the churches that he started. Continue to instruct them. We have many letters in the Bible today because the church of Philippi was a good supporting church. Paul could not have written the scripture effectively or as effectively if he was withering away in a dungeon cell. Instead, he, he was locked to a uh, chain to a prison guard 24-7, but at least he got to write out the scripture and continue his missionary work. Notice verse 18, they, they were sacrificial. But I have on a bound, I am full, I have received of Epaphroditus things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. You know why this is a sacrifice? Because we can go back to, I think, chapter number uh, two, the end of chapter number two, and it tells us that when Epaphroditus sent this gift to Paul, he got sick on the way. You understand that traveling back then wasn't easy. And they were exposed to many elements. And, and, and if you study the path, it wasn't an easy path that Epaphroditus had to travel, but he was willing to even sacrifice his own health in order to get his uh, missions offering in the hands of Paul. Would you listen closely to me? Missions giving costs something. The main thing to the church of Philippi was not their comfort. The main thing was that Paul must be able to keep on going for missions. Listen closely, church. Your faith promise missions giving reflects what is most important to you. Your, comf your comfort or the gospel. Now, please, please perk up and listen. I know this isn't my normal style of message. I know it's not appealing to some, but you really need to get this tonight. If you're not going to go yourself to reach the world, the only thing left for you to do outside of pray is give so someone else can go. If giving is the main avenue through which you can reach the world for Christ, what you give then will be a direct reflection of how serious you are about the gospel. Now, when we speak of sacrificing something, I want you to get this for sake of supporting missions around the world. We need to understand exactly what that means in our context today. What does sacrificial giving mean? I'll say it this way. First of all, you can't sacrifice something you don't have. You need to catch this. Because I'm not asking for you to expect money to drop out of the sky that you can give to Faith Promise Missions. Sacrifice implies you have something to give up. Okay? I'm not asking you to make a faith promise missions commitment in two weeks based on something you don't have because you're living by faith. Okay? The Lord always asked, just watch scripture, how he dealt with people. He always asked them to give what they currently have. And when they will give up some of what they currently have, it's God's job to make more of it than what they ever could. And so even if what you have to give up isn't large, if you will give it up sacrificially, God will multiply it. That's his job. That's not yours. And here's how that works. Being practical, you might have to adjust your personal spending, your personal financial stewardship, in order to not only give an honest tithe of 10%, but also an offering above the tithe to faith promise missions. And to make those adjustments in order to free up margin to give above the tithe, you might just have to give up something. It's called sacrifice. For some of you, that sacrifice looks like not eating out as much. For some, it means not buying as many new clothes throughout the year. 
For some, it means forgoing that remodeling project for the time being. For some, it means trying to get by with that car or those same appliances a little bit longer. For some, it means giving up a luxurious vacation this year for something simpler and more cost efficient. For some, it means cutting down on the birthday and Christmas uh, party, the Christmas budget this year, and giving that money as a family to missions. Giving to missions, listen, it requires a sacrifice in your personal spending. But notice what happens in heaven's bank account when we make that sacrifice. Verse 17, not because I desire a gift. Paul said, if you give, I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Listen, when you make sacrifices for the gospel through giving down here, God makes deposits in your bank account up there. Now, don't ask me how that works. I don't know if there's like a tube. Here's what I know. Jesus taught a principle about laying up treasures on earth as compared to laying up treasures in heaven. And he said, those things that we invest in that are earthly will rot away and they won't last. But the things that we invest in that are eternal, lost souls, missions around the world, here's what he says, they'll be stored away for us forever. He's got a savings account up there. And all these deposits are being made and somehow he's keeping track of all of that. Now, listen to me. Isn't it just wise with our finances to make the most secure investment possible? We would do that with our regular money. Why do we think any different when it comes to our eternal investments? If we have a guaranteed return on every one of our missions investments, why would we choose to spend our money primarily on other things that don't guarantee an eternal return? Now, don't get me wrong. I believe with all my heart, God wants us to enjoy life and enjoy it abundantly. That means it's okay to spend some money wisely on recreation and hobbies and shopping and vehicles and homes and vacations and our children and our grandchildren, right? But we should never do it to the exclusion of our eternal investments through faith promise missions. If you've got nice things and you have margin to give to missions generously, but still enjoy life, thank God for that. That's a joy. That's a, don't be embarrassed about that. That's God's blessing in your life. But don't have a bunch of nice things to the exclusion of missionaries going unsupported. To be frank, I'm afraid that missions giving in our church for some is just a little token gift. The thought is, is this. We'll just throw down a, a few bucks for the missionaries as we can. We'll raise it $5 every year. I don't want to be rude, but that's not sacrifice. Sacrifice is giving up something and sacrifice it and sacrifice until it hurts. Let me remind you that sacrificial giving, because I don't want to get your emotions going in an unhealthy direction. Sacrificial giving is not foolish giving. It's faith filled giving. And there is this fine line between faith and foolishness. Okay, let me be kind. And just warn you about something that's coming up in two weeks. It's, an, it's a missions conference that tends to appeal to our emotions. And that's okay because the eye should affect the heart. What we see and what we hear from those missionaries, it should stir something in us. But we don't make our annual faith promise missions commitment based on emotions alone. That's how many will make a very foolish commitment and we will budget for that foolish commitment and we will only get 80% of it. 
And now we've got to figure out what to do. I don't want that to happen. I would rather have a commitment that's less, but we give 100% of it. Than, than for somebody to say, bless God, I'm just going to sell everything I have. And give this and three quarters down the way, you stop giving because you get up a creek without a paddle. And now we promise missionaries based on this. You get what I'm saying? Let's be wise, but let's be full of faith. Well, where's the balance there? I, I, I articulated in a phrase. I should have put it on the screen. I'm going to say it twice so you get it. Here's the balance. Don't be foolish and commit to give what you don't have. But don't be selfish and unwilling to make a sacrifice of what you do have. Is that a good balance? Don't be foolish and commit to give what you don't have, just expecting God to send out a million dollars from the sky. But don't be selfish and unwilling to make a sacrifice of what you do have. The question is, what do you need to give up between now and missions conference time? What is, it could be a very small thing. I remember one year my dad preached a missions conference and I remember him saying something. He used to get a donut and a Pepsi every day from Daylight Donuts. And one day he did the calculations of what that cost him. It was crazy. I, I can promise you're probably going to die 10 years earlier than you should have because of a lot of those donuts and Pepsis. That's really what it cost you. You're going to die a happy man. But that number was shocking to me. It was shocking. And you'd be surprised how many, how many like quick lunches we, we get at a fast food restaurant that if you would just cut that in half, just in half, and do something more simple and cost efficient and say, you know what, that's what I'm giving up. And listen, it will hurt because fast food's convenient. It is. It's not convenient for your long-term health, but it's convenient for your day and your time and your calendar. Um, but man, it, you can, like McDoubles aren't even a dollar anymore. That ticks me off. I can say to my kid, I was alive when the McDouble was 99 cents. Right? Now it's like three bucks or something. And if you do that two or three times a week, that's like $9 a week. That's almost $40 a month. You could increase your faith promise by $40 a month, if you'll lay off McDoubles. And your waistline will be smaller. Take a bag of apples, a stick of cheese. You'll be grumpy, I guarantee it. But do that for a little bit and give $40 extra to me. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just being practical. You know, I... I would get honest like you did and tell him what I need to give up, but I don't really want to be held accountable for that. So I'm not really interested in putting myself out there. Still praying about what I need to give up. What I want to give up. Look at verse 18. This is the most rewarding part. But I have all in a bound, I am full. Having received Epaphroditus' thing which were sent from you, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice. Watch this. Here's the most... Amazing part. It's acceptable, well-pleasing to God. There should be nothing that satisfies your heart more when you put your head to, on a pillow at night than saying, I just please God. This is a picture of the sacrifice, of, uh, an odor. It's a picture of that Old Testament sacrificial offering that when they would bring the priest a spotless lamb, they would shed the blood of that lamb and, and it's a picture of Christ 
uh, redemption for our sins. And, and of course, in the room, if you're in the room when they shed the blood of that lamb, it wouldn't have smelled good. But God didn't smell the blood of the lamb. He smelt the sacrifice of his people. And when you give to missions, if it's $5 a week or, or, or a lot more than that, no matter what it is, if it's a sacrificial offering, then God loves the smell of that. It's like when I walk home from, from work, from Kevin's ball practice one day or whatever, we go into the house and I smell my wife cooking. Guys, you know what I'm talking about? Some of you do. It's good, isn't it? It's like, oh, I like, it does something to me. Now, I do love what home-cooked food smells like. That, that's, it's good for me to smell that. But that's not the sweetest part. The sweetest part is that I love of what that speaks of her sacrifice of time and love for me. Now, one of my lung languages is acts of service. So, but, but honestly, when I smell that, I know my wife labored over that. It's an act of... It's, it, it, I'm pleased because she's just demonstrated that she has a heart for her family. Now, if you don't cook, I'm not saying you don't have a heart for your family. It's just not your thing. But for my wife, that's what it, te- it's what it tells me. Here's what Paul is saying. Simply pleasing God with our sacrificial missions giving should be enough motivation to give up something we have for the sake of the gospel. Just pleasing God. But it also implies that anything less than a sacrifice is not truly pleasing to God. So your token offerings, well, I'll just throw in a 20. Write it to missions. Maybe in two months I'll get a raise and I'll throw in a 50. These token, random, spontaneous things and not a commitment to sacrificial, uh, systematic giving by faith every week or every month, that's, it's not pleasing to God if it doesn't hurt. If it's not a sacrifice. So to sum up the plan of faith, promise, missions, giving, here it is. A man is called by God to go. He's sent out by a local church. He's supported by the sacrificial giving of God's people in other churches. And then God is pleased. That's the plan. And when God is pleased with your sacrifice, I love this and I'll be done. He will see to it that whatever need was created through your sacrificial giving, he'll supply. Verse 19. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Can I just give a disclaimer? Do not tattoo this on your lower back if you're not given generously. You're not allowed to. This ain't your promise. You're wasting ink. You're wasting space. Pick a better tattoo than that. The only way you get to claim this promise is if you're given. Because this promise is tacked onto Paul's uh, uh, approval and blessing to this church of Philippi for how they have sustained him on the mission field. And if you aren't given above your tithe to the offering, if you aren't given till it hurts, you don't get to claim this verse. You get to claim this verse whenever you know you have given up something for the sake of the gospel. And when you give up something for the sake of the gospel, here's, it creates a space in your life. So you give to meet a need of somebody else, a missionary. Now you have a need. That's where God comes in. As you meet a missionary's need, God meets your need. Here's the great thing about that. He has plenty to meet your need. According to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, he has an unending bank account. Like you'll never hear this from God, insufficient funds. Ever. Do you believe that? Like God has enough. He's never burdened. 
Oh, man, they gave sacrificially again on Sunday. Oh, my goodness. Go get the angels. See what my report's saying. See if I got enough funds to take care of them. You never overtax him. You give to God, he'll give back to you. How, what does that look like? It doesn't always mean that he'll make you rich. He might just make some things go a little further. Make kids stay a little healthier, a little longer. He might protect something from going bad. He might give you, put you in contact with a salesman that'll give you a really good deal. He might increase your income, yes. He might decrease your outgo. Either way, it's his way of supplying your every need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Brother Monty said in our deacons meeting this morning, Miss Holmes, maybe some of you would know Miss Holmes as a member of our church way back then. She always just say this, God has a bigger shovel than you do. Yeah. So as you're digging out your offerings and giving them, God's like, oh my goodness, let me get my shovel out. I'm going to do something spontaneous. And if you're not in the mood, you can, you can go home and watch TV. I'm going to do something spontaneous, though. It just came to me. I want some of our people who believe this to not just affirm it by saying amen. I want you to give a testimony of why you think this is true. I didn't prep anybody, so this might be a big dud. But I know there are some people in here, some of our deacons especially, that you believe in this. God, this is true. God's shovel has been bigger than yours. You've been on both sides of giving. Maybe you've been a selfish giver. Maybe you've been a sacrificial giver. And you can tell somebody in here, it works. Sacrificial giving is the, is the right side of the aisle. And maybe you have a testimony that you could encourage somebody with. Um, I'm going to get this, this microphone right here. Uh, Mike and Tanner, come up here if you would. And I want them to, to pass it around. Now, don't make me turn these microphones on and get these guys up if you're not going to say anything. I know there's some people in here who have been giving to missions for years. I want them to hear it from you because I don't want to come across as some kind of salesman tonight. I believe in this, so I could come across as that. But I, I want it to be lay people that just say, you know what, that's exactly right. It doesn't have to be long. don't have to give me a 30-minute story. Um, but who could affirm this to be true in your own life? Brother Rick and, and Dad, two Prater boys, why not? Always has something to say. Come on. Hello. My uh, first faith promise commitment in 1976 was a dollar a week. I had faith that my mom would give me a dollar a week yeah, to give to missions. Um, over the course of the time, obviously, it has increased multitudes. Um, but I, I, as soon as you said that, I knew what I was going to say because last week, well, not last week before last, um, I went out and ate. Sorry. Um, on four different occasions at lunch, one breakfast, three lunches, somebody paid for my lunch. Wow. Twice I had no idea who it was. I had, I had the money to pay for it. I could have done it myself. And some people say, well, that's coincidence. Um, I believe it's what you said. Sometimes God will decrease your outgo. Yeah. God has different ways of rewarding his people for that's giving. Right. And I fail, I fail to give credit that I'm lucky or that, you know, again, that's a coincidence. Um, I choose to credit God for that, yes, sir. for his faithfulness and his, his keeping of his word. So good. So good. Uncle Rick. So much that we can say, you know, for Candy and I. But one thing came to mind uh, 
several years ago, I mean many years ago, I was working at uh, National Carriers, and uh, it was just about this time of year, and uh, didn't give a lot to Faith Promise, but had the uh, conviction to increase. And the Lord had given amount to me uh, uh, what to give, what to increase, and I, I really had no idea how I was going to do that, but I, I, I knew it was the right thing to do, mm. and uh, put it down on the paper and turned it in, and first week came, and I did good, and second week came, and did good, and about the third week, uh, our company changed uh, insurance companies. And believe it or not, uh, it was going to save the employees money hmm. weekly uh, on their insurance. And it was almost more than double the savings at what I'd put down on paper. Wow. And get that testimony one time, and somebody said, well, you didn't do right. You didn't give it all. God didn't tell me to give it all. Yeah. He just told me to give a certain amount. Sure. But he blessed That's right. by, by savings and, and a good night. I mean, God has just been so good to us. Amen. Uh, just, yeah. just bless us. Yeah. And I tell uh, people, when you get serious about giving, God gets serious about blessing. Yeah, that's and, right. Uh, and he's, he's good. It's good. Thank you, Uncle Rick. There's rarely a deacon's meeting that goes by where my Uncle Rick isn't in tears saying something about, you know, God just, he keeps blessing us. He keeps blessing us. We can't give enough. We can't, I mean, just, I love that. The mic. This thing worked. There we go. <laughs> um, I started giving in college, and uh, you know, and I, I gave way more than a college kid should give. <laughs> but um, you know, and I've just always my wife and I've always given, and uh, it scares her to death because <laughs> she's real. She's real tight with money. No. I'm glad she no. is. Shocker. Yeah, I'm glad she is because. Amen. Uh, uh, you know, it just blesses. Amen. And uh, I don't. I don't know. You know, it's just everything that we have just lasts forever. I mean, our appliances should wear out ten years earlier than they do. Yeah. And, uh, my cars, of course. <laughs> Again, I'm. I'm really tight with money. <laughs> Both yeah. of them are twenty years old and. They still run great, do what we need them to do. And, yeah. uh, you know, God's just, our kids never hardly, I mean, I could, my kids growing up, probably I could count on one hand some, the times that they had, they were on antibiotic, maybe three times, mm. once a piece maybe. You know, it just, I don't know, God just blessed us. Yeah. And uh, we've always given what we felt like God wanted us to and. Sometimes it was a lot more than really thought we should, and, but God's always, God's always uh, just taking care of us, and, yeah. and we've never missed a bill. We yeah. don't, you know, we we pay our bills, and we've we've never missed one. We've never been late mm. on a bill, and uh, I think that's because God's just blessed us because Amen. of faith promise. Amen. And uh, <laughs> it's when I see the missionaries. It just breaks my heart for them mm. because I know the need of souls out there. And uh, 
so uh, this is the most exciting time of the year for me. Yes. You know, when we have missions conference. Thank you, Brother Mike. Brother Mike sold me my first ever vehicle, 1987 Ford Ranger truck in, in just supreme condition. I mean, the guy, in fact, in the console, he had this little notepad that said every time he filled the car up with gas, he would write how many miles on it. That's why this stuff lasts, because he stewarded it. He did well. But I had it for like two years, and the thing went bad. <laughs> I don't know what that says about my giving. <laughs> Jeez. Who's next? Um, I'd like to look at this just a little bit different. Um, every missionary has a parent. Mm. And uh, I just asked Colleen if she ever laid her head down on the pillow at night, <clears throat> worried about Courtney or Dylan um, being supported in the future. Mm. And she said no. And it hit me earlier in your message that um, when we knew Courtney and Dylan would be uh, pursuing a, a life in the ministry, um, that I'd never worried one time about uh, their support. Mm. Um, knowing that God is faithful and also knowing that if they did go to the missions field that um, this type of plan is in place that you're talking about tonight. Uh, and it gives me, as a father, great confidence uh, yeah, knowing great. that they will be uh, taken care of through God's provision, wow. um, using God's people to do that. I've never honestly worried uh, one time about them being supported in, in the future. Um, and it's because of the obedience of God's people and God's faithfulness. And um, wow. that's the perspective that uh, I have tonight. I just wanted to that's share that. That's helpful, Brother Kessler. Thank you. What a blessing. That's so true. Never thought about that. Yes, Miss Sheila, I was hoping you would say something. <laughs> Truly. Well, I've been giving for missions for 54 years. How long? 54. Yeah. Wow. 54 years ago, my husband and I, we were saved. And the first mission conference, I have to say, that's what mission conference did for me. Amen. It was really got me a burden for those missionaries that go. Well, if they're going to go, why can't I give? Hmm. And we've never, until my husband, my husband was killed in 99, and we had up to that point had never missed a, a, a single giving. I don't know that we ever missed giving wow. our faith promise every month. And sometimes it wasn't easy, but God always supplied. Yeah. And in 99, when my husband was killed, I thought, oh, man, can I continue to give faith promise? And then God spoke to me and said, what makes the difference? I'm still here. I'm still the same God. <laughs> I can still, I supplied you then. Why can't I supply you now? And so I've continued, and it's always a blessing to me each year for the mission conference because it, every year I think, oh, you know, okay, God, can I really, what can I sacrifice, what can I do to, and then those missionaries come and you think, oh, what, what a great sacrifice they are making. Yeah. Surely I could make one. Wow, thank you, Miss Eula. That's a sermon from a widow. And God thinks a lot about widows. And he thinks a whole lot about a widow's offering. Thank you, Ms. Sheila. What a great example you've been to me. A truly great example. One of our most faithful missions givers is a widow. It's amazing. Uh, you got somebody? All right. Brother Dave, then Mom. 
just uh, want everybody to know that, that these principles for me started with uh, tithing. And just like you say, this is all true, and it sure is, and it's all true. Same with, with the initial tithing. And uh, another thing that I kind of hoped you'd touch on, but, but one of the things I'm most impressed about is, is the system here which, and you'll have to correct me if that's changed, but, but not a single dime comes out for administrating the funds. It's taken care of by the general fund, and all of what we give goes directly to the missionaries. Amen. Thank you, Brother Dave. Yeah, we're very careful with that. Uh, my wife administrates that, and, and we do budget. We, we make our annual budget, how many missionaries we can take on, how many missions works we can take on, how many outreach events we can do um, is all based on, on who's given. Brother Monty? Well, I'm not a speaker, but uh, I do give to missions. Amen. Uh, given to missions for several years. And wife and I, we never had a glitch on what we did with our money. We just always gave and we always knew that uh, like Mrs. Holmes said you know the Lord has a bigger shovel yeah and I you know I had a business we had a business and uh, it started out small and it grew huge yeah I could I could not keep up with the Lord he just blessed me in so many ways that and I gave uh-huh. and I gave yeah you did and you know, the Bible tells us that if we can't go, we've got to give so someone else can go. Amen. To win the lost around the world and in their own country. Yeah. And I just, uh, I'm blessed in such a, a way that I can't explain. Yeah. But I praise the Lord for all he does for me. Amen. Thank you, brother. Thank you for giving that testimony. And, and I hope, guys, young guys in here, You'll understand and you'll really grasp that you need to start giving on what you make right now. Even if it's small. Keep a job. Work hard. Be dependable. Quit bouncing around everywhere. Let God do something with what little you have. Give on what you have right now. Be faithful. Let God promote you within a company or an organization or, 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 or take your business or whatever um, and Stay faithful and watch what God might do. He might use you as a brother Monty to go from someone that gave off something very little, prosper a business, and now he gives more than he could ever dream of giving. The church needs those kind of people. And you could be one. It's great. Who's next? Brother Gary, then. Um, yeah, we'll come on next. I don't know how God works. He's pretty smart, and I'm not. Uh, <laughs> it's true. But he works. And... Uh, Works through Brother Monty. I learned a lot from Brother Monty just watching him. But uh, had a building come up empty this year, and I thought, well, I'll just sell it. And uh, the price wasn't too good. Kind of a little depressed market on the commercial buildings in Liberal. But there was a fellow needed needed it, and he didn't have the money, but. Uh, worked out a lease purchase thing for him and it worked out real good for him it worked out real good for me 
And uh, I believe God's the only one that could have done that mm. and brought that person to me, you know. And uh, I, I felt like I needed to say something that an old banker here in town used to talk to me a little bit. His name was Charles Brisendine. A lot of y'all, as old as I am, might remember him. But he just said, you can't outgive God. Yeah. And that's pretty true. That's very true. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Brother Gary. So generous. Brother Kelby. All right. We'll, we'll double up. I'll go and Katie. All right. Um, so I just kind of want to speak on a, different, on a different side. Me and Tiffany give, but um, something I've been fortunate to that maybe a lot of people in here haven't been is I spend about two months every year for like the past eight years in Scottsdale, Arizona, and got to see like firsthand where this money goes and what it does. Um, just being with our, our church planners, uh, John Vaught, and just get to see the faces, to see the church go from setting up in a recreational uh, center every day or every service to having a building of their own, and it comes from people in this church giving and just seeing their house. I've stayed in their house. I've seen them have people over and just the impact that it makes. I think sometimes we get to the point where we forget that it's going to real people and affecting real people's lives. And there's, there's a lot of people that, that go to bed and thank God every night for, for Northway Baptist Church and North Valley Baptist Church. So everything that we give together goes to people, and people say prayers and thank, thank God for that church and what we do with this. So just, I know sometimes we just get so caught on the numbers and if we can give and what we're sacrificing, but sometimes to put a face on the other side that, yeah. that maybe we, we can remember that. Amen. Thank you, Kelby. It's wonderful. Preacher and I have given to Faith Promise for many, many years, and God has supplied every need along the way. But one of the coolest things was um, we've always taught that um, you give sacrificially, and it creates a need in your life. Mm -hmm. And then when you have a need, you watch God be faithful and supply that need. Well, we were young, and Pastor Tyler probably was, I think he was seven or eight years old. And, um, of course, we didn't have a big bank account or anything, and we gave sacrificially, and we always believed God would be faithful to us. So we, our refrigerator started acting up, and it started making all these noises, and we, we just kept praying that God would keep taking care of it. It would keep going, noise and all. And then one day I got a call, and I hadn't told anybody that our refrigerator was, go was going out. We just prayed about it. And um, we had prayed with um, my kids at devotion time that God would take care of it, either keep it going or supply our need. And a lady called me up, and they were getting rid of their refrigerator. And she didn't even know I needed one. And she said, would you be interested in a refrigerator? We have to get a new one. Um, and nothing was wrong with it. And I thought about it. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. the minute, so why, why he was, why the kids were at school, um, of course, Tiffany wasn't at school, but because, and, um, but when the boys were at school, we moved the refrigerator in and took the old one out. And I'll never forget Pastor Tyler's reaction to it. He came home. And because we had let our kids see a need and knew God would supply that need, he walked in the door and he said, 
God gave us a refrigerator, <laughs> and it even has ice and water. Yeah. <laughs> so God, in that minute, showed my kids that He is faithful. Amen. And when we sacrifice, and we, it creates a need, God's always there so to supply that need. So, so I challenge you if you, if you sacrifice and it creates a need, you get to see God be faithful. And you get to see that big shovel personally. And your kids do too. Yes, absolutely. And God becomes real to them. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else? Aunt Candy? Well, uh, many of you know that I was a single mom before I married the man of my dreams here. Um, (laughs) I... uh, he didn't I mean, need to hear that. I, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I forgot. I have to go home. With Sorry. Uh, so um, it was hard for me. I mean, I remember when it was just Dalton to me, giving five dollars um, a, a week was like, oh my goodness. The the I would get this envelope. I mean, the tray would go by, and I would go, you know, I was oh, gonna give, and then I go to go, oh, and I try to grab it back, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, that's because I was, you know, young in the faith. And so I started giving the $5, and then I thought it was big stuff. And then, I, and then God would supply the $5, then I raised it to 10 then to 20 and then I just kept raising it. And then, of course, Rick and I got married, and, and um, God blessed me with the business. Amen. And I, I want to thank everybody in here that has, has partnered with me in the business. Amen. But then I got a burden because... I needed to give missions from my business. Mm. God said, I'll bless you, but give from your business. Don't keep it all for yourself. And guess what? I started doing that. Mm. And that's, and God just keeps blessing and blessing (laughs) and blessing. And a lot of people don't understand. Well, don't you just get a certain amount each month? I give off what the total business makes a month. I give we give a tithe off that, and then we give above that. And I, I mean, it's kind of like Rick said, God has just blessed us and blessed us. And it's kind of like I'm so excited to give more mm. to see what he's going to do in our lives. Amen. But I want to encourage even the singles, just start somewhere. Start somewhere. And it's going to be hard, and you're going to think, oh, my goodness, I can't do this. But you're going to do it, and your faith is, your faith is going to grow, and then God's going to give you something big like he did me. And then you're going to say, I'm so excited because I know God's going to do great things because of what he did for Amen. me. Amen. Amen. So. I'm trying to figure out why I preached a sermon tonight. <laughs> In all reality, so powerful. Solomon talks about don't hold things, don't have both handfuls. If you have, why, why does he say it? You can't give. He says, have one handful. He doesn't say have no handfuls. Have what you've earned. But don't take it all. Have one hand to give. Earn it, take a little bit, give it. Earn it, take a little bit, give it. You go like this with your stuff, and that might be what God does. But you go like this with your stuff, and God has a lot bigger hand. He'll go like that. Don't get stingy with God's money. Who else? Miss Virginia. Okay. Um, <clears throat> scripture verse 
to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it to not, to him it is sin. Mm -hmm. And I would be really embarrassed to tell you how many years Rob and I sat eyeball deep in layman ministry and didn't give. Mm. Uh, way too embarrassed to tell you how many years that was. It wasn't that we didn't have good intentions. Um, you start out writing something down on the paper, tithing, um, but then something would go wrong and we lived by sight. We mm. lived by sight. Mm. Uh, finally, I just didn't write anything down on that piece of paper because I didn't want to be lying to God. I knew it was not going to last, so I just quit. Mm. And then uh, the year that, and Rob and I had some rough years mm -hmm. financially, but Brother Vaught was here and he was preaching about the blessings of their church. And uh, I sit right here and he's, he asked, he gave all, testimony after testimony from the people that they, their church had been blessed by and blessed through. And he said, I want everybody who's given to Faith Promise Missions to stand. Mm. Well, I put my head down and closed my eyes because I knew that wasn't me. Mm. I don't know if I was the only person in the building who didn't stand, but I didn't stand. And that was the night that God got a hold of my heart. That was some accountability for me. This wasn't just between me and God. This was between me and, and the missionaries. Mm. And I wasn't doing my part. Wow. So that night I asked the Lord to forgive me, started giving a tithe, an honest tithe, gave a, a number. It was the middle of the year. It wasn't missions time, but I started giving mm. to missions. We did. And God started blessing and within a year, our job situation had turned around. We were able to meet our bills. Um, I can't even tell you exponentially how much that giving has increased since we made that commitment Praise together to give. Amen. But I can say this, that we give more now to tithe and missions than our entire income was that year. Amen. Wow. And that's just a God thing. It that's is. not anything we've done. Right. It is true, he has the bigger shovel. Yeah. We gave stingy, he gave stingy. Oh, yeah. We changed our heart, God showed us his goodness. Yeah. And so maybe there's somebody here who needs to hear that you just, you have to start somewhere. Right. If, if, if you're not doing what you, you know the Lord's telling you to do, just confess it to him. Yeah. I, I strongly suggest an accountability partner. If you need one, get one. Mm -hmm. Accountability is a good thing. Uh, and we know that God sees us, but we also know he forgives us. Yeah. Sometimes we need somebody to say, hey, did, do, you, do, you, do you give like you're supposed to? Yeah. And maybe somebody needed to hear that. Amen. Thank you for sharing that. Kiddos, you've been good tonight. There's a lot of you kids in here. Moms, you've been good with them. Um, thank you for your patience. It's a longer service than we normally have. So all the kids look at me. Good job tonight. I mean that. Good job tonight. You've listened well and it's been a long service. I hope some of you children have caught some of this. That when you give to God, God gives back to you. And it starts by sharing your toys. I'm actually serious about that. You start by, you hold one toy and you give one toy. I'm serious. And, 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 and kids, if, listen, if you'll give of your small things, God will give you big things to give. 
And every time you come to this chest of Joash, it might not even be your money, but you're getting in a habit of giving. And so even if you don't have money in your pocket, go find an old person (laughs) and get money. What do you use that money for? Children's ministry. All of that goes to children's ministry. It goes straight into their bank account. That playground in the back was funded from that chest of Joash. The, all the paint artwork you see up there, funded by the chest of Joash. That's why we want our kids to give. Sometimes we just need to hear those testimonies so the next generation can be inspired. So you know what? I'm going to be a Monty. I'm going to be a Rick. I'm going to be a Candy. I'm going to be a Gary. I'm going to be a Virginia. Be a Brother Perry. I'm going to be what they're going to be, what they've done. And Fellowship Baptist Church needs another two generations. That says I'm going to do it. Are you with me? All right. Praise the Lord.